Hello and welcome back to the Vampire Castle, the only podcast of that name where I, Jamie Peck, and I, Leslie the Third, discuss cool, macabre, sexy, and scary vampire stories and uh, media. Yes, and today we're talking about one that has kind of runs the full gamut of different types of vampires. You got your brooding romantic vampires. You got your scary Nosferatu vampires. You got your kind of kooky, quirky, funny vampires. The show has it all. Um, and it's one of my favorite shows of all time. Obviously, because it came out when it, I was in high school and it's about vampires and high school. And uh, there's no way I could not love this show. Of course, I'm talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Cue 90s rock music. One of the most enduring aspects of it is that opening theme song because it's so good. It just gets you so pumped. It sounds so great uh, by the band Nerf Herder. Uh, they actually had to re-record it, uh, I think, around the third season because the original was actually a little bit offbeat. But even offbeat, uh, it's a damn good uh, riff. It's all right. I, I've, I've gotten pumped up to Nerf Herder. It's like, okay, I'm just going to come out and say it, all right? This is the first thing that we have revisited that I loved so much when I was a kid, like, if I was going out on any given Buffy night, I would have my mom tape it for me. <laughs> uh, and yet, revisiting it now, like, I kind of hate it. What? <laughs> Hot take. How? You know, you know How what you it is? Show? What? Like, I like the characters. I like the stories. Uh, even when shit gets really dumb, like, they give Buffy a sister or whatever. Uh, it's the dialogue. Like, this is a show about young, attractive, horny people and vampires and demons and shit. And they all talk like a fedora neckbeard because that's who Joss Whedon is. <sighs> Jamie, I, I have to say this is revisionist. <laughs> the, the fedora neckbeards did not exist until after the show. So well, if maybe. anything, if anything, this, the Fedora Neckbeards have copied this show for their dialogue and then ruined the dialogue. But this is not Buffy's. I don't, don't think you can hold Buffy accountable for that. Well, maybe Joss Whedon uh, was instrumental to creating that culture. In Absolutely. which case, I would like to go back in time and kill him like baby Hitler. <sighs> terrible terrible i can't I th believe i think this might be the most we've ever disagreed on anything yes come on, on or off the show i'm sorry i just i hate it so much it's like oh quippy quippy we're being quippy yes milady blah 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 hatchety murdery like fucking kill me i i'm 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 flabbergasted i'm absolutely <laughs> flabbergasted i still can enjoy the show and the quippy dialogue because first of all it is actually about teenagers um and teenage and joss whedon i think at this time like he captured not what teenagers actually sound like but what they wish they sounded like right like they actually wish they had quips and comebacks and were very funny and sarcastic and above it all like that's why i liked the show at the time now he took that 
same kind of formula like 15 years later and applied it to like the marvel superheroes who are like all adults who work for like uh super black water so it didn't quite work but i think for high schoolers uh it's it's okay but let's let's talk about what is buffy the vampire slayer so this is one of the first shows that really uh this is one of the shows that made the word lore ubiquitous uh because there is a very deep lore behind Buffy and what her world is uh so basically uh demons are real there are multiple hell dimensions and there's a portal to one of them in a small town in uh, California but which i think is very believable that uh, there is a portal to hell, hell somewhere near uh, Los Angeles, yeah. somewhere between San Diego and Los Angeles. Yeah, maybe um, in Orange County or something. Yeah, yeah. And Buffy um, is one of a long line of slayers, you know, young women who are imbued with the power, uh, we, which we find out later in the season, the power of demons in order to fight demons, drive back the darkness. It all goes on these teenage girls who are, you know, have a very short life expectancy, uh, have to put up with a whole bunch of shit. They have to juggle, you know, going to high school and saving the world uh, repeatedly. And Buffy is the latest of this long line. And the show is about all the difficulty she's, she has uh, being the Slayer and a regular high school girl. Let's go back to when you first heard about the show. Maybe we can get back to that common ground. When, what was the first time you remember watching Buffy? Uh, you know, it started, I think, when I was in seventh grade. And uh, I remember watching it, you know, at my parents' house where I lived because I was a child and uh, I thought it was pretty cool. I was also like a fucking theater loser. So um, part, some of my hatred for Buffy perhaps is hatred for my dorky former ah. self. I don't know. Okay, okay. We're we're getting into it because <laughs> both uh Xander and Willow, big theater kid uh energy, even yeah. though they aren't in theater in the show. Uh Xander's just a douchebag and Willow's uh uh becomes a witch eventually. But I, I can see, okay, we're getting to the we're getting to the root of it. I remember I wanted to when this show came out, we didn't get what it came on WB first in nineteen ninety seven. And we didn't get WB wb in baton rouge uh yet uh properly they have stationed like a couple of towns down so i would actually like dial to like the station of like a place like an hour and a half away lafayette and like watch the barely you can even see anything you can just barely hear the show like i had no i was watching this show the premiere of the show having no idea what any of it looked like and i was still riveted just watching it uh like as a, a very uh poor quality audio drama because i mean high school vampires i i could not uh get enough of it wow. and i yeah, I was very dedicated or before I could even see uh, the actual episodes. So you really liked the dialogue then? Yes, I guess so. <laughs> I, mean, um, I, I liked it at the time. Uh, I also, like, I wish I could say my crush from the show was someone cool like Spike, but it was definitely Seth Green. Um, oh. I've, yeah, I've always had a thing for gingers. I don't know what it is. I, it's a sickness. And um mashed up with him being like a cool rock dude uh that was very enticing to me as a young teen in the late 90s no oz is still cool oz still works i think you know i think you have to be ashamed 
of being a fan of Oz instead of Spike, even though objectively Spike is the uh, coolest person. He is the coolest uh, and the sexiest. And it's funny that you say Oz still works because I think Seth Green is the only person from this show who went on to be successful in any way. And I think it's because he really leaned into the goofiness, whereas maybe the others were trying to be serious actors and actresses. But um, maybe Joss Whedon ruined their careers. I don't know. The only other thing I can think of anyone being in um, is Michelle Trachtenberg and Gossip Girl. And that was a long time ago, too. No, uh, uh, So Allison Halligan, she's on How I Met Your Mother. So she's like, multi-billionaire uh xander was actually on criminal minds for a bit so he, he he was he was he actually had had some personal struggles um with alcoholism and uh that hurt his career more than anything david boreanaz they keep giving david boreanaz shows i i'm not sure why i i was never too big a fan of angel i liked angelus when he was like playing the yeah um, psychopathic asshole but i never really liked angel until maybe the last season of angel i kind of got into him but there's something about him that network execs just say we have to have him starring in the show at absolutely all times so he's like blandly handsome i guess and could play any number of cops or good vampires so fucking put him in everything thank you by the way for not making me watch any angel centric episodes Oh, uh, yes, we, 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 we have a selection of episodes we, you know, wanted to discuss. So we have a foundation. I mean, cause it runs for seven seasons, but I have to say, if you like, if you have never watched Buffy, I would absolutely positively recommend just go diving in and starting from the beginning. Uh, you're going to find out pretty quickly whether it's your type of show or not. I th- personally think if you like vampires and, you know, fun and with a bit of humor and like some really dark moments too, I, I it's one of, it's still one of my favorite shows that I've ever seen. Mm, agree to disagree. Jamie, by the end of this show, I will win you back over uh, to Buffy. I promise. Maybe the episodes we picked weren't the best ones. Maybe, maybe, maybe that was the problem. Because uh, we 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 didn't have a we also we didn't have a lot of Angel. We had maybe one spike, and we didn't have any of the big finishes, the big finales. One uh one thing that the show you know really did well, I think, it is it had like really good season long arcs along with episode to episode story. So you can actually skip around and watch the best episodes and still get the gist of the, the series. But there is a payoff if you follow uh, the storyline through every season. They have something that they, uh, is called um, off camera, uh, the big bad, which is the big villain of the season that Buffy has to uh, fight uh, at the end. And I think... storytelling wise Buffy is like a perfect balance between what we get now which is all these prestige dramas that stretch out over you know one story over you know 10 15 episodes versus the older style which was a different thing every single episode it is like Deep Space Nine kind of or the X-Files it mixes the two really well so like you don't have to watch every episode but if you do um, it pays off yeah I agree with that the world almost ends a few times if I recall apocalypti I believe is the plural of Mm -hmm. apocalypse uh, which you have to learn 
uh, if you're watching Buffy, because the world is uh, always ending. Vampires are always like one step away uh, from uh, opening up the hell mouth and bringing all the demons uh, into the world. And uh, one thing about the lore that I find, found really interesting is that vampires in Joss Whedon's in 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 the Buffy verse, they're not like vampires in anything else because when you get turned into a vampire, even though you retain that vampire retains all your memories, what actually happens to you is a demon takes over your body and you immediately become evil and learn martial arts. Is <laughs> the two things that happen? Oh yeah, when you become a vampire, you also start dressing really goth, which is yes. common to many fictional universes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, dr- becoming a vampire and dressing goth, that's pretty common. But the idea that vampires aren't the real people that they were before uh, is kind of interesting. So that gives Buffy essentially carte blanche to kill any vampire without remorse because they don't have a soul. Yeah, they're like zombies in that way, I guess. It's like you, but not really. Yeah, which I think is, you know, I actually think that's probably a lie from the Watchers because it doesn't really make sense because Spike's personality and his desire actually to be a good person begins when he before he allegedly gets his soul back. Right. Mm-hmm. And like they all if if you're keeping the same personality, I think that that idea that, oh, no, they're just demons now so you can kill them without remorse, Buffy. I think that's just the Watchers gaslighting mm-hmm. uh, the Slayers. Hmm. Never thought about that before. All right. So we have our Slayer, Buffy Summers, um, who is just a normal teenage girl until she finds out that she was a Slayer. And that kind of ruins her life and turns her into, at least as far as like the authorities think, a juvenile (laughs) delinquent um, because she has a reputation because she uh, there was a apocalypse that almost happened before uh but that happened before the show um i think it was it's basically the story from the movie buffy the vampire slayer uh which has a different actress etc etc um but she burned down her old high school gym stopping vampires so when she gets to this new school like the teachers are very standoffish the principal hates her fucking guts (laughs) and thinks she's just like the worst uh human being in the world oh yeah i forgot about that that's funny and she's like, I'm just, I'm Buffy. I just want to go shopping and like talk to boys and be a teenager. Oh my God. But I have to kill vampires, which is like the central conceit of the movie. And I will admit you don't expect it to be able to be stretched out into a long and complex TV show, but they did. Yeah. Cause I mean, the idea was that, you know, is Buffy the vampire slayer supposed to be like a funny thing because somebody named Buffy, like some valley girl who's a cheerleader would never be able to fight off vampires. But, you know, through the power of the Slayer, she is, and she, and she kind of hates it because she just wants to be like a regular, uh, teenager uh, you know she wants to be a cheerleader again that's actually the first couple of seasons really folk are about her like getting used to the idea that her life is basically ruined because she has this burden placed on her but that is the thing that makes her interesting like i would not have been friends with normal buffy in high school just tell you that much (laughs) yeah um her best friends are uh xander harris and Willow Rosenberg. Um, now look, I know that people on the internet like to talk a lot of shit about my boy Xander. Mm-hmm. 
saying that you know he's very toxic um he's kind of oh. whining but on rewatching these episodes what i realize is that xander is like he is every he is literally every man because at times he is like a pig-headed trying to be alpha guy and what at most other times he's a beta cuck soy boy and he's just like every all kinds of masculinity swirling around in this one douchebag shaped you know visage and i ended up kind of loving him on rewatching him just because he's all over the place yeah he's fine because like uh, one second he's like you know wh uh whining because buffy um won't won't doesn't talk to him the way she talks to other guys and the next he's like punching drywall because he wants to go kill some vampires like it's so his mood swings are so interesting to me he like he falls he like is in love 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 with cordelia and then cheats on her for no fucking re reason like he's future or some shit like that um <laughs> or, or the, he's like the the weekend of uh the buffy verse he's just all over the place yeah, he's kind of a fuckboy, but uh, we like him because of his quips and his sensitivity. Yes. Um, and then Willow, um, who, you know, is just supposed to, starts off as like the super weird, awkward, nerdy girl who is, of course, in love with Xander while Xander is in love with Buffy and Cordelia. Xander never looks her way until the worst possible moment um but eventually you know she kind of becomes comes into her own she discovers that she's both a witch and a lesbian at some point and then she kind of takes off from there as a character yeah you know it is good to have some jewish queer witch representation on a tv show and you know that might have been fairly progressive for the 90s so uh it, kudos to them it was very progressive i think i have to believe willow and tara is were probably one of the earliest you know you know lgbtq couples on like a network uh show that's why people were so obsessed with them that's also why people were upset when tara eventually uh just gets straight up shot uh and dies in one of the oh, late yeah. seasons episodes it's crazy that this is like an, uh, a show for teenagers but people die for real on it yeah like that that's one of the things i, I liked about the show because it has so many tonal shifts like you, you can have a goofy episode where xander's get gets turned into like a horny lizard or some shit like that but you also have like uh episode we'll talk about later um like your parent a, a really dark episode about your parents just dying because that's what parents do um they and it mixes you know these real world dangers with these you know supernatural threats and even like robots and other you know silly goofy shit um but it always but because i think the characters are so you know interesting and fun like you believe it all because they believe it mm -hmm. okay i just looked it up and um ellen only came out in 1997 which was the same year that Buffy started, I believe. So, yeah, yeah and there you go. I, yeah, I think Willow came out maybe, I think, season four when they got to college, 99. So this was very uh, early uh, on uh, representation. So a uh, little bit of props uh, for that. Maybe not for Killing Terror, but props for uh, mm -hmm. 
starting off the relationship and having it be a complex relationship where they, mm-hmm. you know, have fights and they break up and they are just mm-hmm. like people in a relationship and not, you know, meant to be, you know, uh, uh, not just, you know, this positive, you know, representation stereotype. They still remain like characters. Oh, yeah, for sure. Willow gets addicted to magic. Tara gets mad at her for casting too many spells. You know, like normal lesbian problems. Yeah, and she also casts a spell, uh, literally a gaslighting spell. Uh, Willow casts a gaslighting spell on Tara, which is like a huge, huge fight. Um, yeah, That's but in yeah, one of these episodes. Yes, yeah, in one of these episodes. And um, we talked a little bit about her, uh, Cordelia, who is only on the first three seasons. After that, she moves on uh, to Angel. She is uh, just the mean girl uh, of the high school who ends up falling in with Buffy's gang of losers because she keeps uh, getting attacked by mummies and witches and vampires. Yeah, it's always funny when that happens. And she gets with Xander for some reason, which would probably not happen in real life. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't never really bought the relationship because obviously Xander was obsessed with Cordelia and Cordelia just like hates all of them. And uh, one of the episodes we talked about is like she actually like makes a wish for them all to like disappear, basically, mm-hmm. um, because they uh Buffy's presence more or less has made her life, you know, terrible because she was, uh, you know, the prom queen, uh, very popular, very, you know, well liked by everybody. And then all of a sudden she's like getting stabbed and shot at and constantly kidnapped by demons. And worst of all, she's dating Xander. (laughs) Yep. And Giles. Giles is the watcher of Buffy. The watchers are an elite group of men whose job is to um, manage and traffic um, teenage girls um, who are slayers, by the way. Um, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention that all of them bear some resemblance uh, to Jeffrey Epstein in one way or another. Every single watcher we see is like that type of white guy for some reason, just usually with glasses. Yeah, I never really thought about that before, but that's very true. Um, I think Giles is pretty cool. I heard, didn't the actor used to be in like a rock band or something? Oh yeah, he does music uh, for real, for real, yeah. He he really uh, showed his pipes during the uh, musical episode, doing his little rock musical yeah. numbers. And the other, you know, uh, really good uh, singer rocker in this is uh, James Marsters as Spike, a who starts off who started off as being you know supposed to be, he was supposed to be a minor villain who was going to get killed off, but people liked him so much because he's basically uh, Billy Idol but a vampire, mm-hmm. and so they kept him on as a you know a main villain, and then he eventually becomes like one of the gang. Uh, they call themselves the Scoobies, and he. Ugh. Uh, became a <laughs> became a major love interest for Buffy, if not the major love interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 what you, what, what's your opinion on Spike? Because I think I love Spike. I love Spike to this day. Yeah, Spike is definitely one of the best characters on the show. He's the coolest and the sexiest uh, male character, like no contest. Although we find out later that he's kind of a poser which makes him it's only more endearing because yes. he's like a bad boy with a heart of gold. He's the one that everybody wants Buffy to get with. I mean, I guess it's predictable that the 
woman whose uh, job it is to rid the world of vampires keeps falling in love with vampires because her first love, of course, is Angel, played by uh, yeah. David Boreanaz. And yeah. not not the biggest Angel fan, uh, <laughs> I have to it's say. so boring. It, it, he's... I mean, I love Angelus, actually. I love Angelus, but I never really have fallen in love with Angel, the character. Mm. It's very much, you know, a pre-Twilight where he just sits there and tries to be brooding and interesting. And unless you're like a specific type of teenage girl, like you're not going to get it probably. I I mean, I don't know why anyone would have a crush on Angel when Spike is right there. But, yeah. you know, I guess there's something for everyone. All right. So let's uh, get into uh, our episodes that we talked about today. We talked about um, I asked I reached out to listeners to see which are what are some of their favorite episodes. Uh, we came up with The Wish uh, season three, episode nine, uh, Fool for Love season five, episode seven. The Body, Season 5, uh, Episode 16, Once More with Feeling, of course, the musical episode, Season 6, Episode 7. I can't and... believe you made me watch a musical. <laughs> it's good. It's good. And uh, Tabula Rasa, Season 6, uh, Episode 8. So let's get into it. So The Wish, uh, this is the earliest uh, episode. And it's probably maybe Season 3 is a lot of people's favorite seasons. It's, it's pretty close to mine because this is the season... Uh, that's able to focus um, less on Buffy being hung up on a fucking angel all the time. And like, there's a little bit more, more intrigue uh, going on. What what did you think? Uh, and, but, and this particular episode is really interesting because it's like an alternate uh, episode. Uh, they have a little, a lot of fun on Buffy. And so this is a, this episode takes place in the alternate reality where Buffy uh, never comes to Sunnydale in order to be the Slayer. Yeah, so I guess Anya shows up and she's a demon for like one episode before she decides to just be friends with everyone. Um, yes. Uh, so Xander and Willow, I guess in the last episode, they kissed and they got caught kissing and Cordelia, who is such a bad actress, by the way. Uh, what? She blames, no, she, come she's, on. She's so bad. She's so bad. I'm like, did they, so did they they get her from porn? Like, she delivers all her lines like she's in a porn. I can't believe you're hating on Charisma Carpenter. She's I love so, her so much. She's so bad. No, she's beautiful, but she's really... Maybe it's the writing. Maybe it's the directing. I don't know. But her lines are... Like, they stand out to me in a sea of bad acting as being particularly bad. But anyway, uh, Xander and Willow kiss, and she blames Buffy for some reason, and wishes on this thing she doesn't realize is a magical amulet that um buffy had never come to sunnydale so now the town is overrun with vampires uh xander and willow are vampires i do like vampire willow it's cool seeing her yes. as a slutty vampire um there's no more pop punk at the bronze only like industrial rave core that's <laughs> yeah. how you know it's overrun by vampires um the master vampire wants to create some kind of farm-to-table blood restaurant full of yes. juicy humans. He's using a mass production uh, in order to uh, insul uh, basically um, get some really good, fresh, uh, organic uh, blood um, 
being distributed across you know to all the vampires without the mess of having to individually hunt down in your humans every night it's convenient yeah, which, it's like it's like doordash for vampires they try which, to do you know i think it's kind of cheating i think that would take some of the fun out of being a vampire Obviously. so maybe farm to table isn't the right word for it maybe it's like a factory farm um you know like fucking mcdonald's for vampires or whatever yeah. But um, then Buffy shows up and she ruins it. And she's like mean Buffy too. Like she's kind of mean to Angel when he's clearly being held captive and tortured in the basement. She's like, oh my God, are you hitting on me? <laughs> yeah, she's um, very, she treats Angel how she should have treated him in like actual reality. Mm-hmm. She never should have trusted him in the first place. Um, and I, I really like this episode because it, it has like interesting like twists, like, uh, they do a lot I, there's every, lots, lots of TV shows do these alternate reality shows but you never see the person like get murdered in the middle of it uh, um, the person who makes the wish uh, to change things she gets uh, Cordelia manages to get murdered in the middle of it and you're like what the fuck does this show does the show stay in this alternate timeline uh, forever now um, but but thankfully, um, now the five o'clock shadow Giles, uh, who's uh, more of a badass than the regular Giles in the in the show, is able to uh, reverse and save things. Mm-hmm. They save things, and um, we know everything's back to normal at the end because the pop punk has returned, and all is well. All right. So the next episode, and this might be my favorite episode because it's the one where it, with all the spike history foot historical footage it's oh, yeah. yeah it's my favorite thing because it goes you know deep into the past the lore you get to see spike at his spikiest because at this mm-hmm. point in the series he's l- more or less uh been uh fixed um they put a chip in his head he can no longer attack human beings but we uh get ex- uh but we get to see him his origin story uh, throughout this episode and how he became uh, a vampire and i love 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 drusilla i actually got oh to yeah meet, i actually got to meet uh the actress uh once i have a picture at like a comic Ooh, really? it's one of my most treasured um <laughs> possessions juliet landau it was wonderful she didn't take her sunglasses off uh so she was i guess she was staying in character but um (laughs) yeah i i love that you know so we get you know lots of drew lots of darla lots of spike like lots of angel back in the good old days when they first started and i just Mm -hmm. love love this episode it even is like shot bet those scenes are like shot better than any of the other buffy scenes oh for sure um I mean, there are some episodes on here that we watched. I don't know. I didn't note down who directed them, but the cuts were very jarring to me. Like someone's talking and then they cut to the other person who's talking and then they cut back to the first. And I'm like, calm down, guys. But um, that's kind of a side, kind of a kind of a side note. Um, I like. Okay, so in this episode, we find out that Spike likes spicy buffalo wings. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess vampires can eat food in this (laughs) fictional universe. Should they decide to? Um, I, too, love Drusilla to this day. Uh, she was always my favorite. I was very sad when she left the show or was written off the show or whatever. Um, I definitely dressed up as her for Halloween one year, and nobody knew what I was supposed to be beyond That's just awful. a vampire. Right? Yeah, and I love the crazy shit that she says. That, that holds up for me. 
excuse me if I'm being too forward, Jamie, but I have to say, like, I could tell that you were a Drusilla fan when I met you. (laughs) (laughs) There's just something about you that screams that. I will take that as a compliment. (laughs) And so uh, this episode, uh, Spike is trying to give Buffy a training in order to uh so that she you know becomes a because she has a big bad to face and he explains to her um how he killed two slayers because that's been part of the lore of the show that spike is so such a dangerous vampire he's one of the only ones to you know face uh not one but two slayers and kill them and his, his original driving passion uh early in this show was to get a third by killing off uh buffy but he and, instead like falls in love with her uh for some reason mm-hmm. uh but i just loved like the flashbacks I, that's that scene on the subway train where like oh, yeah. spike in all his 80 glo- 80s glory like uh kills uh uh the black slayer it's so good it's pretty cool um i also like just all the flashbacks to seeing what a nerd he was yeah he was a human also a posh nerd right um because after he turns into a vampire he starts talking like a chav all of a sudden or like some 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 dude from man from Manchester. Yes. <laughs> so like we find out like all punk rockers he is a poser look I, i'm not gonna be too mean to william because he's a poet at heart he just wants you know to study arts and letters but he's uh no good at it um sadly um oh yeah they call him william the bloody because of his bloody awful poetry which is fucking hilarious yeah um but eventually he uh, meets uh, he meets drusilla and she turns him and then uh centuries of fun and murder begins we actually get to see uh him during like the chinese revolution killing off um killing a slayer uh there and it, like really they spent a lot of money on uh this episode and <laughs> it looks really really good oh yeah he kills a slayer during the boxer rebellion when everyone's like freaked out already basically to impress drusilla and it fucking works because they like fuck over her dead body or whatever um it also makes me wonder like if there's only one slayer in the world like what does what's everyone else supposed to do when they're being menaced by vampires um die mostly <laughs> like the, if she's only in china like what china's a big fucking country too like she's only killing vampires in like one small part of china buffy's only killing vampires in sunnydale like what's uh what's up with that i think we're supposed to think that the slayer goes where the most active Hellmouth is mm. and so like if they they go there and try to fix the problem and if they can't just it gets overrun by so many demons that people just leave uh naturally i think we're supposed to say like the vampires it's either um the slayer saves the town or um vampiric gentrification drives out everyone Mm, that makes sense i i would love to see a show about new york being a hell mouth in the 70s and 80s as if it didn't have enough problems yeah You know, they are doing their well, they were uh, doing before this quarantine thing, planning a Buffy uh, reboot. Um, I I would give anything in the world uh, to be a part of that. I would, uh, you know, we and I would definitely take your idea uh, to the writer's room table and take credit for it. Yes. Set in New York, have it set during the 70s and just like 
focus on like the really cool slayer that uh got killed by spike Mm-hmm. how dare you i i'm gonna tell everyone if you do that but um i would i too would like to be involved because that is i think that's everybody's favorite scene in this episode it's just cool it's cool as fuck next uh episode we talked about this is one of the uh heavier uh ones um uh, probably the heaviest one and i think a lot of people say it's their favorite one, and I think you know it's definitely one of my favorite ones. It's one one of the most well done episodes of a TV show I think I've ever seen. Because even though I mean, goddamn, there's episodes where people get turned into puppets, or you know, other all this other there's pe- there's an episode where like Buffy, uh, Buffy's mom starts dating a robot. And, and Buffy straight up kills him, uh, and the cops just uh-huh. let her out of jail. Like all oh, yeah. this kind of silly shit. What well, uh, they didn't know he was a robot when she killed him. <laughs> um, but there's all this straight up silly shit. But this show, it, but this episode, uh, season five, episode sixteen, the body is just so. It just feels really real, um, especially yeah. if you ever dealt with you know being around like a a loved one who has passed away it's called the body because the horror of the episode is and kind of the central uh, theme and question of it is you know what is what is when your loved one dies in front of you like what is that what is left where did they go um when all you're left with is just his body and it's it's really um it, i watched it today and it really hit me hard i think it, it's just incredibly uh well a well done show episode of a show that can be so you know over the top and silly i just i i think it's fantastic yeah i liked it too um there's less of the horrible dialogue so that's good um they really make you look at the body a lot too yeah, really make you look at death and just how gruesome and real it is. Um, and she dies of a brain aneurysm, not anything supernatural. Yeah. Like you keep waiting for her to like turn into a vampire or something. But um, vampire stuff. There's very little vampire stuff in this episode. It could almost be like an episode of any any teen se- semi serious, you know, any teen drama. Like they're all just dealing with death. Um, Anya is dealing with death like for the first time as a human, which is kind of comical. Um, yeah, for, for the first time in a long time because she was a human before. She just hasn't been for like seven hundred years, and all her friends are immortal. And she has a question that you know, if you ever lost what you probably have asked yourself is like, why the fuck do people have to die? This is stupid. <laughs> like, why you you pour all this you know time and love into this person? You rely, you depend on them so much, and then they're just gone for for what, for why? And I, I really like. I don't really think this show has any like real political statements, but it has some pretty good like emotional, you know, yeah. statements. I think, and I think this episode is uh, probably the pinnacle of them. Oh yeah, a lot of stuff about what it means to be a human. Um, I liked it too because like they're constantly surrounded by death on the show. Like, vampires are killing people, demons are killing people in this town, but, like, you never see the real fallout from that because it doesn't really touch any of the characters. And this time you're like, shit, this is what everybody else is dealing with all the time, and they're not exempt from it. Um, I, I kind of felt like maybe it's a theme that, like, Buffy only knows how to kill 
but she doesn't know how to like heal. She doesn't know how to deal with the plight of being a human. Just like she's, you know, it really shows Buffy's humanity. Yeah, it, they, they, there, that is a plot, I believe, on this season because this is the one where uh, she's told that. Oh no, actually, it's the ne- next season where she's told that death. Uh, no, it, no, it is this season. It's the this one where she's told that death is her gift, gift mm-hmm. as a slayer. That uh, she thinks that uh, the only thing she can do is you know kill people, kill things, kill people, kill demons. Uh, at the end of the season, she finds out that oh, she can actually uh, kill herself too in order to save the world. That's mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> not really a step up, but that is what it is. I. You know, I, I this episode, you know, I just lo- loved it. I thought it was, you know, phenomenal. It was heartbreaking. It felt, for the most part, uh, very, very, you know, real with real people and real characters. And the writers, I think, you know, they did a really exemplary uh, job of it. Uh, I think, in general, Buffy the Vampire Slayer has some pretty good deaths. I think uh, Tara's death of just getting shot again—that's kind of a contrast between you have you have so much supernatural stuff, but then someone just gets straight up like shot by a stray bullet mm-hmm. and dies. And uh, and it was treated, you know, it had a very you know big impact on the show. You have Joyce dying of a aneurysm uh then you have you know kind of your typical sacrificial deaths uh at the end of the series uh spike uh sacrifices himself at least we think so in order to save the world um anya does as well i i, I you know i joss whedon is kind of known for being a type of a kill your dar- darlings type of writer where he uh, finds out who what characters the fans and he really likes and he finds a way to kill them off i respect that yeah don't respect everything Joss Whedon did, but that no, you know, we, not the dialogue, but sure, I'll, I'll I'll buy that for a dollar. All right, and so oh, I also like the part where Willow's like, I I like any time when the show seems self conscious about like how ridiculous it is when Willow's like, why can't I dress like a grown up? Like yeah. mm, you said it, not me, honey. <laughs> I, I that's one thing we haven't talked about uh, the fashion on this show i looking back at it i think it was period authentic and if you want to know how people dressed from 19 about 1997 to like 2004 uh you can't get do better than buffy oh yeah big time um like most of them they all have like the haircuts from friends you know buffy's got the rachel some of them have the monica which i found very true to the time they've also got some like really good late 90s rock looks and i like cringe a little bit looking back on some of them because i definitely wore a lot of those looks myself they had the zigzag part they were having fun with braids like everything is in there leather pants and like they buffy pulls it all off very well i will say yeah, you got lots, lots of cargo pants and cargo shorts. Uh, in this one, you got, you know, scarves with, you know, tank tops for no real reason. You got every, almost all the looks you can have. You can even see chokers, which, to my shock, have come back uh, in fashion with the kids. Now, did you know about this? Did you know the teens and the tweens are wearing chokers again? Oh, yeah. And it's funny to me because I'll admit I never stopped wearing chokers. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. So uh, moving on uh, to uh, season six, episode seven, Once More with Feeling. 
the musical episode, possibly the most talked about episode, because this was before every TV show tried to do a musical episode. Buffy was an innovator uh, in this space, for better or worse. Thankfully, at least, you know, four or five people on the show have pretty good singing voices. And I think the songs are like very, are fairly well done and, and real rented, well written. I really like a uh, spike song. Uh, Can I get some sleep? Cause it's like, instead of like most musical songs that like aren't, it is actually kind of rocky and alternative rock. And as opposed to being the standard musical genre where you're just talk singing, um, whatever's going on. Yeah, uh, I mean, this was a time in my life when I was also really into Rent, so clearly <laughs> I liked the jaunty rock musical songs in this episode when I watched it, and uh, you know, I expected to hate it more because I really, ever since I stopped being in musicals, I just really have hated them. One day I just realized that they were lame, but uh, I like the numbers in this. I like the dancing. Some of the singing was pretty bad, but kind of in a funny way. I don't know. It's fine. Well, I mean, they used all the actors really did the singing. So it's like, and because the premise of the episode is actually that um, the there's a demon who's uh, forcing uh, everybody uh, to sing until they burst into flames. (laughs) Uh, So it makes sense that even people who can't sing are singing in this version of the musical. Now, I do want to note about the demon in this episode. Um, for the first possibly five, maybe even six seasons, every single black character in Buffy talks in some kind of jive, either jive or patois. Buffy is not very good at black representation. Uh, no, have, it is not. You have Mr. Tr- Mr. Tricks, who's a, a vampire who straight up jive. You have Kendra, the vampire slayer, the secondary slayer, uh, who, who who's black and you know has a you know speaks in patois and you have like numerous like other demons and characters who were every black person speaks in jive there's not like a regular black person i think until the new principal comes along and i think maybe in season six or season seven principal wood who's a pretty good character an interesting uh character one of my favorite episodes is the one where he confronts spike because spike uh the 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 slayer that spike killed was actually his mother um so i kind of i i did like that character but it took a really long time for they got a, a black character uh that didn't fucking suck wait is there a black character this episode uh the uh the demon the demon uh yeah i guess i didn't think of him as having a race so much because <laughs> he's not a human uh yeah he, he is a, a obviously a very talented dancer he's won he's won three tony awards actually uh huh. Good and, for him. He's, and he's most no, but he's most known for uh, playing the jive demon in Buffy. Oh my god! <laughs> you know we'll take the black representation on Buffy where we can get it, I suppose. Yeah. Oh wait! Most importantly, at the end of this episode, um, like it's I think a lot of these episodes are about Buffy being depressed because she wanted to die and they didn't let her. Right? She was in heaven and they yes. like brought her back. So and now she's mad that she has to be alive and Spike's sings a song he's like no babe life is pain but you gotta fucking be alive anyway and that's like really profound for her whatever so at the end of the episode she goes and makes out with him and it's kind of hot i guess yes what did you think 
of the Spike Buffy relationship as it played out? Um, you know, I don't really remember much of it, to be honest. I think it I mean, you've got a plot where the best part of it is the tension, right? Because Spike is clearly obsessed with the Slayer and he always has been. And he's a vampire, so, you know, sex and death are all mixed up for him. Yes. And then she's a Slayer and it's the same thing, you know? She's, like, obsessed with sex and death and vampires and things that she shouldn't do, things that are wrong. So it makes sense that she'd want to get with a sexy bad boy. But, that, like, those two... We're never going to have like a normal, nice relationship and we don't want them to. Yeah, that's like I, the that's the torment of it, you know? Yeah, I, I that's I did like about that. Like she's, you know, deeply upset and ashamed about how much she actually has in common with Spike, meaning what she has in common with all vampires that she spent her time uh, killing that, you know, this is they're of the same type um, and when she i mean that what that's what attracted her to angel and then that's what brought her to spike but spike didn't like pretend that he was he was just you know mopey and sad about being a vampire he liked being the vampire uh and he uh and he still you know wanted buffy and buffy uh wanted him now eventually um and this is probably the most controversial thing that happened in the show there is it, so there's an episode where buffy is invisible and nobody can see her and then she sexually assaults uh spike <laughs> just straight up while he doesn't know what's happening he doesn't know what's going on and he sexually uh, and she sexually assaults him she just straight wow. up wow i do not remember that at all oh most maybe people i don't. blocked it out most people don't most people didn't didn't uh this was back when you know uh a woman raping a guy was just funny and it was played for laughs on the episode. Um, and then there Much was like in Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yes. And you know, um, but then there's also an episode where after they break up um, after a, oh, what well, not break up, but after uh, Buffy tells uh, Spike, cause I, cause they were never really in a relationship officially where Buffy tells Spike, she doesn't want to uh, keep hooking up with him. He tries to rape her. Uh, an episode and that was very very uh controversial uh at the time because you have this you know romance supposedly going on and all the fans are shipping and are saying they're good and then he does uh he try he does this absolutely uh horrific thing that people uh, you know a lot of people felt very complicated uh feelings about that especially because spike doesn't you know get killed off or leave the show after that instead he tries to, he goes out and tries to get his soul back so he can become a better person mm -hmm. and make up for what he did and you know make it up to buffy yeah that's interesting because like you could you could play it off like well vampires are bad you know of course they're gonna be rapists and they're murderers too but like this is a thing that happens in real life all the time yes and, and it would be because i mean the way they handle it because it, it, it came very late in the show you have all this lore going on all these relationships going on but at the end of the day like you can't this show was supposed to be about like 
what young women and young people and young women, you know, have to deal with when they're growing up and adolescent, their their lives and all the shit they uh, deal with. And even though they usually externalize, like, say, an eating disorder into like a demon that, you know, shrivels you up or stuff like that or getting bullied with, you know, episode about you becoming invisible. That was another episode uh, where somebody uh, got turned invisible because uh, they were bu- being bullied. I you if you're going to do this type of show like sexual assault is something you should probably talk about i'm not saying the way buffy handled it was the most delicate or good way but i think as far as something that they should have talked about it is one of those things yeah it's a very special episode of buffy yes it is a very uh special episode um and another very special episode for a very, very, very different reason, uh, thankfully. I forgot to mention it earlier, but we watched uh, Hush, uh, the 10th episode in the fourth season of Buffy. This one is one of my favorite episodes. Uh, it's one of the most talked about, too, because most of it has no dialogue. Uh, some demons roll into town, some very scary demons called the Gentlemen. And the thing that they do is that they go into the town, they take everyone's voice, um, and then they torture people to death by ripping out their hearts while they're still living. Um, and nobody can help each other because nobody can talk or scream. And nobody can quip either, which was what I liked about it. <laughs> Actually, I don't think that's true. I think the scene in the classroom where they're, you know, gesturing toward, towards one another, ah. technically, those are quips. Technically, ah. when Buffy makes the stabbing motion and everyone thinks she's making the jerk off motion, that I feel is a quip. I guess so. Yeah, they, I'm like, they're still going to find a way to quip. It's <laughs> fucking Buffy. It's fine. Um, I thought this episode was very scary. Yes, um, it is. I love how these supernatural demons are just like creepy rich guys who float around and do golf claps when they cut someone's heart out. Um, that's pretty cool. I don't think Buffy really has much of a class analysis most of the time, but they're definitely like this kind of demon aristocracy. Yeah, you, you know, it. I mean, it does and it doesn't, right? Because it's not really focused on it. But there are, but there is an episode, um, maybe in uh, in season six where but her, Buffy's mom has passed away, you know, and they don't have any more money, <laughs> like basically, and Buffy has to get a job, you know, working at a burger joint, and she's kind of like upset about it because. Here she's, you know, gone from being, you know, this, you know, straight A cheerle- uh, cheerleader, head of the class type student who's in college. And all of a sudden she can't afford to be in college anymore. And she has to take care of her younger sister by working at uh, the local burger joint in her, you know, 20s when uh, her other friends are uh, still in college. And Xander ends up, uh, they mention explicitly, he can't get into college. So he becomes like a townie uh, for a season. And so even though. Oh, yeah, he works at the bar. Yeah. Which, you know, we're not going to talk about this episode because it's terrible. But that episode, Beer Bad. Yeah. When uh, Xander, like you see Xander having to deal with all the fucking people at the bar, all like the drunk people. And then they turn, you know, there's some supernatural shit. They turn into cavemen or whatever. I'm like, this is not that different. And in fact, the friend I was watching it with is a bartender and it was very triggering for him. Yeah, in fact, in fact, those people who are messing with—they're like you know, like 
what are they like are they like frat dudes or like in finance or something like like that but they are like shitty to him specifically because he's a bartender and they're in college uh, and they're they have their old futures ahead of them and he's just a bartender or whatever and the the twist is that they all become uh, neanderthals because they're drinking a beer that's been poisoned uh by this uh much older townie um who uh hates their little uh privileged guts i get it <laughs> yeah so i mean th- th- i mean this show doesn't have an overall class analysis but there are there are part bits and pieces um uh, where you, you where you can pick up some stuff um because buffy uh never uh financially benefits in any way from saving the world repeatedly and she has to struggle like everyone else more so than fucking peter parker everybody talks about how (laughs) spider-man is the working class hero no that dude hasn't struggled since like since like night the late 90s okay ever ever since he's like hanging out with tony stark he's got a job at a big newspaper he's fucking on twitter he's probably blue checked on twitter like Peter Parker is no working class hero, but Buffy definitely is. Yeah, somewhat. All right. And uh, the last episode uh, we talked about, uh, we watched together, was uh, season six, episode eight, Tabula Rasa, which is just uh, a fun episode because uh, it's one where Willow has been, you know, gaslighting her girlfriend uh, so much and so long that she accidentally causes everyone uh in the town uh to get amnesia mm-hmm. i like the loan shark a lot there's a loan shark after spike who's like literally a shark demon yes <laughs> who gives loans and he's loaned he's after him because spike owes a bunch of kittens yes. from a poker game oh <laughs> um, and hilarious sp- yes yeah, it's very funny even it- and the uh the demon mask of the shark maybe not one of their better ones but it works i actually think the makeup on the whole of this series is is really like good like uh like they come they came up with some very very interesting uh demon designs and most of them look like very good even though there's just you know somebody with a bunch of plastic on their head like i think it looks for the most part very cool Oh, yeah. I like all of the throwaway demons, all the random demons that are in there for like one scene. And they're just like basically a visual joke. They're good. Yeah. Yeah. And so this one's fun because it's all the uh, main characters trying to figure out their relationship with one another without knowing who each other is. Uh, Giles assumes that Spike is his son because they both have British accents um they start coupling up in inaccurate ways it's just a fun if you really like the the characters which i hope you do by the time by season six it's just a really fun to see them interact in this you know new fresh way now uh what's funny about this you know premise of all the characters losing um their memory like there's like three or four tv shows that start off on that premise and then you have to spend the next five or six seasons figuring out who they are it's much better in 45 minutes than it is in 450 minutes this kind of story oh yeah this is not um agent cooper in the new twin peaks season where you're like waiting the whole season for him to remember who he is although that was good in its own way um, I don't know why I wrote this down. Maybe you do. But uh, it's one observation I had is that from this episode is that everyone's a slut 
and everyone slut shames. <laughs> Make of that what you will. I I I think that's a fair you know assessment of the show because it's so weird because this this show did take place um, before people acknowledge that teenagers have sex. So like there's a, like there's a whole arc about Buffy losing her virginity, and then another arc about the time she has sex for the second time, and it's like treated <laughs> as like the biggest fucking deal in the world. In fact, it's so bad that her boy, the first time she has sex. Her boyfriend, Angel, loses his soul and becomes evil and starts murdering people. Um, and You thought he, your first time was traumatic. Yeah, and then they make up, even when she gets to college and, has, and hooks up with a guy, she's like devastated that they she he doesn't want to be like the love of her life. He just wanted to uh, hook up. And it's like... Oh, God. Eventually... Yeah. It gets better. Girl, we've it, all been there. <laughs> eventually, it gets a little bit better and more mature about the fact that people have sex and it's not always a earth shattering thing. Uh, maybe we're just supposed to think Buffy is just like really like uh, immature in some ways. Maybe, maybe even she uh, because she gets all her sexual energy out by uh, st- staking uh, vampires that she doesn't really understand like real sex or anything like that. I mean, that would explain why she dated Riley. Um, Actually, if she uh, just doesn't understand relationships. Riley is hot, but I did hate that entire season with the plot, with the whole like military facility. I'm like, this isn't how I want to watch people fight vampires and demons. No. Also, he's kind of boring as a guy. And they talk about this on, it's kind of like an in episode, like the reason they break up is basically because he's boring. He realizes that Buffy thinks he's boring and then he just leaves town. And then when he comes back, like he has a scar and a new girlfriend who's super hot. Uh, he he came back, he got some pretty good revenge, I have to say. He he leveled up. He had, he had a glow up at, at, actually uh, over the season. He did, he did. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun watching everyone try to figure out who they were in that episode. And it was also some comic relief because you know that some serious shit is coming with Willow's magic addiction and that her relationship with Tara is in trouble. So it's always nice to break that up with a funny episode where everybody forgets their identities. Also, I realized in this episode, do vampires dye their hair? Like, it seems like Spike is definitely dyeing his hair. Ah, so I don't know. Because if this, with with Interview with the Vampire Vampires, they always look exactly how they looked when they ever they got bitten, no matter what they change. I don't know. I feel, I feel, oh, no, wait, he probably, it probably does happen. Maybe he doesn't dye his hair necessarily, but I know Angel cuts his hair because he he, he wears it much shorter as Angel then went back in the day when he was Angelus. And yeah, Spike is cut in style is there too. But I think we're supposed to believe that Spike is a natural blonde. But no, you see him in the flashback and he's a brunette. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's maybe, I don't know why I wrote it down in this episode. I probably should be taking better notes perhaps. But, um, you know, I've been having wine with dinner lately. I'm getting really <laughs> into dinner. Like, I've always been into dinner, but especially now, it's, like, kind of my primary activity and the most fun that I have. So, apologies for that. But um, then I I was like, well, you know what? Maybe, like, doesn't dead, don't dead people's hair keep growing for a little while after they die? Maybe this is, like, an extension of that. Mm, Possibly, possibly. 
Um, this this these uh, once more feeling type of the Rasa. They take place in a really weird season where the villain, the main villains, are like nerd fanboys. And they, what do they call? They, I think they call themselves oh, like yeah. the, the Triad. Uh, is Warren, Jonathan, Andrew, and they're basically just like literally just like uh, the main one is a Warren who's just really sexy guy. I mean, excuse me, really sexist uh, guy who um, made who like killed his girlfriend and made a robot out of her, uh, made a robot of Buffy, uh, and like just explicitly meant to represent like a sexist a guy a sexist nerd actually they're all meant to represent like nerds who have turned their you know isolation and their alienation against uh women in really toxic ways and then that season is basically about buffy trying to uh properly cancel them uh the whole time and yeah I, they're incels yeah they're incels they're proto incels straight up mm-hmm. and i thought it was interesting that the show predicted that that thing uh, i mean obviously and also influence yeah the influence. way these people talk at the same time yes at the same Joss time we didn't what hath thou wrought because it's so complicated because obviously joss whedon has some you know very shitty um <laughs> behavior in his life and you know especially with, with regards to women so there's Wait, i actually don't know about this oh yeah it was a big thing um and buffy fans know about it because they actually shut down the biggest buffy site uh when it came out his ex-wife basically wrote an open letter um saying how he repeatedly cheated on her with af- actresses uh from his show uh, which is you know bad for cheating on your wife also for sleeping with actresses on the show that you produce and run and you're in charge of and, and in charge of whether they um not only if they are hired and fired but whether their characters live or die because you can just uh, write them off uh, and you do and you regu- regularly do so joss whedon do better yeah, so uh, he kind of got many canceled uh, for that, and the Buffy fans were actually, you know, so, were like "fuck Joss Whedon" for uh, being like that. Man, oh, it just goes to show you he knows the mind of an incel. Yes, because maybe he's got something in common with him. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, maybe he was like an incel until he got the money and the power, and then he didn't have to be an incel uh, anymore because he could use his money and power influence to um, convince his. Uh, uh, employees to sleep with him <laughs> i guess uh that's uh what joss whedon is about um but he has these villains in this episode in this season that are just like shitty men uh, being sexist and it, it's just you know it's you know it's such joss whedon is a nation of contrast i have to say he is the prototypical male feminist yes exactly he <laughs> is the male feminist um which not not all men no. who are feminists are male feminists yes it's like white feminists you know yes. you can be white and a feminist that doesn't necessarily mean you're a you know capital letters white feminist yes 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 um so um i was talking a little bit about the villains um who is your favorite big bad I probably should have done more research because i don't really remember um i remember the master he's kind of scary and cool or whatever but he's basically just a vampire yeah um i remember i vaguely remember like they referenced the plot with glory i remember finding her pretty scary um 
You tell me yours, and maybe I'll remember so more. So it's kind of hard because I really, I mean, because I love Spike, but ultimately, like, and he's technic. Spike, Drusilla, and Angelus are kind of the villains, or the big bad of season two. But I kind of don't think they really count uh, because they did so much more, and they were already around. Uh, so my favorite big bad would definitely be Glory. I just loved, loved Claire Kramer, the actress who plays her. She was so like like just such an interesting character you were she was so evil but so charismatic too i just there was something about her i love like i saw her and be like oh yeah i would totally be like her slave druid i would totally sign up to be like a glory henchman the fucking you know master no way i would fucking hench for that guy but glory 100 percent you're making me want to go back and watch these episodes See? now. See? Uh... It's, season five is a very, very good season. Very good season. Maybe the best. Maybe the best. There's also the mayor from season three. Fantastic villain, I think. I think he did. Uh, uh, Harry Groner. He did a wonderful job of being like, like he's very much like a Mayor Pete type of mayor you know superficial superficially uh nice always with a smile on his face but in reality uh half a demon um who's here to who's here to destroy the world um you also have the trio and then the final uh big bad which i think i felt was kind of a cheat um was the first evil and the first evil is like it doesn't have a single body or entity he would just um pretend to be the former big bads uh buffy would see the form the old big bads uh usually and he was uh his has chief chief henchman and uh caleb uh played by nathan Fillion, who was uh evil priest <laughs> you are making me want to watch all of these seasons and i'm so mad about it but also it's fine yeah what else are you watch gonna something, do right what else are you gonna do um <laughs> And I think the worst big bad, obviously, was uh, Adam, who is the cyborg made out of different uh, parts of uh, demons. Uh, even though I, I think the actor did, you know, a wonderful job of imbuing him with some humanity, he came so late in the season that you didn't really have time to fill for him as the uh, Frankenstein. And I don't really think they nailed uh, the look uh, for him properly. Mm. Is that the season with all of the military yes. shit in it okay yeah anytime you mash up technology and the military with like supernatural vampire stuff i hate it yeah i like i i can see i think they, they've done a few shows and stuff on this premise i didn't think it really worked that well with buffy i think they were trying because when you were re-watching this you texted me and asked me like do people know that vampires exist in the Buffy universe? Um, because like, obviously people are dying all the time in Sunnydale. And I think this was a response to that. Like, Oh yes. You know, people know the government knows, and there's a secret government initiative where all these soldiers pretend to be TAs during the day. They pretend <laughs> to be college TAs and uncommonly they, jacked TAs. Yeah. And they hunt demons at night. Um, I think they were trying to bring some real, real world lore into it. I, di I just didn't think uh, that worked, even though there's some good uh, episodes in that season. Uh, yeah, I' not a big fan of. Uh, and I also, 
when it comes to technology, I never liked the robots because um, no fuck robots. Yeah, because Buffy, everything about Buffy is the same as our world except for the demons. So that suggests that like an average high school student could not create a you know perfect replica of a human in their basement um using the technology of that time i i just thought that was a bridge too far um for as far as fantasy goes because whenever you're talking about something with you know science fiction horror fantasy you can only ask the audience you can ask the audience to believe like one ridiculous thing maybe two but you can't yeah. but you don't want to stack those up and you don't want those conflicting with one another. If you want me to believe in robots, don't put in vampires. If you want me to believe in vampires, you can't put in robots. It's too much. Yeah. That's where True Blood went wildly off the rails, I think. They just added more and more ridiculous things. There's like fucking fairies, there's meth panthers. It's like enough, guys. The reason why I text you that, I think was in that beer episode, um, the bar guy, the owner, who, like, makes the beer magic, when Xander's like, how would you do that? He just tosses it off, like, oh, my uncle's a warlock or something. I'm like, oh, people know that warlocks are real? Okay. <laughs> See, and and that, and I think that's fine. If you, you, if you want to say that this world is a world where a bunch of people have connections to magic, all the people who live on the hell mouth have some, you know, connection or history maybe not all the people well a number of people there's like a demon bar that we see from time to time in the show like that's just demons um going there and most people like i i don't know it must be really strange to be someone who lives in sunnydale and like is not close friends with buffy because you're seeing your friends die horribly every week the town eventually gets complete uh the high school gets destroyed and then three years later the entire town uh gets destroyed and uh, sunk into hell um just terrible uh terrible stuff i only want to look at the real estate um value <laughs> and they're all like oh that was weird anyway yes. back to normal life yeah, in Hush, they actually reference, uh, do make one of the few references to the outside world where they say that, you know, uh, they say some town is, uh, this town in Sunnydale is now under quarantine uh, because there's some virus going around taking people's voices. They call it, they think it's laryngitis instead of demons. Oh, yeah. Got to practice social distancing yes. when everyone's got demon laryngitis. <laughs> yeah, that popped out to me, like the chaos that ensues. It was kind of funny, though, because I'm like, oh, do these supernatural aristocrat guys uh, respect the, the town limits? Like, what's going on there? <laughs> they respect the, uh, the, 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 the sovereignty of the nation state? Well, they only need seven. I, I, no, I think part of it is like all the they're supposed to be fairy tale demons. So if they're a fairy tale, and they say this on the show, so if they're you're a fairy tale demon, you have to follow very specific rules before you can kill anyone, and you also have to allow yourself to be killed very easily um, by one weird trick um, that if anyone finds it out. True. True. Yeah, that was good. Buffy's fine. I don't know. I I realize I'm being a hater. It's got a it's got its strengths and weaknesses. See? If you can get past the dorky dialogue, it's uh it's okay. See, see, I knew we would come together by the end of this episode. I'm so happy. Uh, Jamie, who's your favorite character? Uh you know, 
That's a really big question. I'm going to go with Spike as my favorite character who runs the whole time, as well as Drusilla, because she's my girl. I, I have to concur. Spike and Drusilla are the best. I'm so upset that Joss Whedon, instead of making a Spike and Drew movie while uh, James Marsters and Juliet Landau were still young enough to still play immortals, he went and fucked around and made like those shitty Marvel movies. Like James uh. Marsters was like begging publicly like, hey, Joss. Um, you we have to do this, you know, sometime soon, or I'm gonna be too fucking old, uh, to play a moral vampire. And that son of a bitch never did it. Capitalism ruins art. I feel like that's like a lot of what your podcast is about. Yeah, I respect it. Yeah. You know, he prefigured it too. Like, there's an Avengers reference in one of these episodes. Yeah, there is. Uh, I mean, and Joss Whedon obviously has gotten so much worse. And less interesting since he stopped doing like the things he actually, you know, created and cared about. I mean, I mean, we we, we can get into the story of the Buffy Vampire Slant, uh, film, but he was really unhappy with it. And the series, as opposed to being like a continuation, it was more like him doing it the way he wanted to do it in the first place. He had a real creative passion for it. And he, he wasn't the only main writer. There's several great writers uh on the show it was a whole you know cast and crew of people uh making this good stuff but he was kind of the this was kind of his baby and as soon as he you know kind of got away from it or or and started doing things that he was just hired to do like avengers um he uh started to he fell off the cliff entirely and i think we we're going to see a lot more of that as you know disney marvel becomes this huge thing that keeps hiring um all tours for lack of a better term or just you know people who actually want to tell you know these stories that come from deep within themselves deep from their trauma of being a male feminist or whatever weird <laughs> shit has happened to them uh and they want to express it uh by telling these stories well when you take that person and just tell them hey you need to make a captain america uh iron man hulk uh team up uh film uh and we're going to shoot half of it for you actually so you don't need to worry about any of the action scenes which will take up half the runtime or anything like you're gonna get a bunch of crap you, you creatives need to create their own things and not just uh do whatever disney hires them for i don't know i think the full range of the human experience as expressed by art like if you can't tell that in a two hour long Marvel superhero movie? Like, are you even an artist? <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I, I love Buffy. I will love Buffy forever. Uh, the show still brings me so much joy to watch. It's not a perfect show. All, I mean, the effects, the clothing, it's not necessarily the jive talk. Yeah. The jive talks, not necessarily the most timeless show, but and it is very much of its time, but I like that time. I think that time was pretty good for, you know, uh teenage dramas. So uh I'm gonna keep watching Buffy uh forever. Yeah, I do enjoy the music as well. Yeah. A lot of the bands that played at the bronze 
were pretty cool. Yeah, and the breeders I was very play. jealous. <laughs> the, I, the, I've, I've forgotten about this. Like the breeders play on Buffy. Like, come on. It, yeah, they got they got some good bands there. Um, I was, of course, we were all very jealous watching Buffy that we didn't have like a cool all ages club oh, in our town where you could go to see like Rasputina on a Tuesday. Oh, I, 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 I talk about this whenever i talk about like high school stuff that i watch on tv around the time i was in high school because i didn't go to a white high school so i didn't really know like i thought that like every like suburban high school actually had like a bronze i'm like oh god that's so fucking cool i would love to go to it. it's just this big big warehouse all ages venue they have couches they have upstairs and they have like all the best bands uh pass through there i would kill kill to have had like a bronze uh, in my town instead there was like like the rock club the white rock club for that teens could go to was like like a very small vfw hall and like the hip-hop club that teens could go to like you just like it was like it was a decent sized club but there was always some shit going down so you never knew like if you were like there was always some shit going on there was fights and shootings and the cops and more important even worse than that the cops were always fucking out there so you can never really uh, have a good time but man i i would go to the bronze now i'd be the old guy going to the bronze it looks like great yeah, it you know, it might be full of vampires, but it's better than cops. Yeah. No, the only the lame things that you see on TV about white high schools are generally true. The cool things are never true. <laughs> Take it from me. Yeah. Certified white person. <laughs> well, all right. I think that's, you know, enough of Buffy uh for today. Um so uh any final words on uh Buffy, Jamie? Oh man, I don't know. It's uh, it's good if you could get past the dorky dialogue. You should probably watch it. Like, what the fuck else are you gonna do? Yeah, in the choir. Uh, this is the best. This is a great time to start on Buffy. We didn't even get into a lot of stuff. We didn't even mention Faith, who is you know one of my favorite characters. She's the badass, sexy Slayer <laughs> who uh, oh, shows yeah. up, plays by Eliza uh Eliza Dushku. Um, I I really liked her uh character. Um, but yeah, man, I, there, there, there's just so much, there's so many characters, there's so much lore, there's so many plots, but at the same time, like you can skip around and watch this or that episode or skip this episode. If you think it seems corny, it's just, you know, I, I really, really, uh, like Buffy. Yeah. You know, I would not mind my, uh, teenage child watching it. I feel like there's probably worse things they could watch and it's like a good time capsule. Like this is what your mom wore in the 90s. Yes, really. <laughs> Once upon a time. And you know what? I still kind of dress like that. So who am I to judge? <laughs> this has been the Vampire Castle with me, Jamie from the Antifada, and you, Leslie from Struggle Session. Um, I hope this has given you guys a little break from all of the real horror happening in the world. And uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. I'm God. So many years ago, you can make me feel like it isn't so. Why you come to be with me? I think I finally know. Mm.
what you feel And you can't tell the ones you love You know they couldn't deal And whisper in a dead man's ear That doesn't make it real That's great But I don't want to play Cause being with you touches me More than I can say And since I'm only dead to you I'm saying stay away And let me rest in peace Let me rest in peace Let me get some sleep Let me take my love and bury it In a hole six foot deep I can lay my body down, but I can't find my sweet release. So let me rest in peace. You know, you got will and slave. And you just love to play the part that you might misbehave. But till you do, I'm telling you, stop visiting my grave. And let me rest in peace. I know I should go, but I follow you like a man possessed. There's a traitor here beneath my breast, and it hurts me more than you've ever guessed. If my heart could beat, it would break my chest, but I can see you're unimpressed. So leave me be and let me rest in peace. Let me get some sleep. Let me take my love and bury it in a hole six foot deep. I can lay my body down, but I can't find my sweet release. Let me rest in peace. Why won't you let me rest in peace? Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.